It, it doesn't seem like it lasted that long in the first service. I almost felt like I needed to dance or something. I, that's what was going through my mind. I don't know what was going through yours. <laughs> um, that was very well-dressed heart. But no matter how you dress it, uh, your desires, your, you tend to, actually they do, determine uh, the direction of your life. They flow into your behavior. Uh, we're going to look at that today, the heart of financial freedom, how we really begin to live out the principles of God's word in our finances, what it takes to do that in terms of our heart. Last week, we looked at how God is a worker and he made us to work. So since he's a worker and we reflect the image of God, our work brings a certain level of satisfaction. It won't completely satisfy us, but it brings a certain level of of satisfaction. It's very important. And once you commit your life to follow Christ, what happens is you get a new boss. You've decided to follow him as Lord. And so now when you go punch the clock or whatever you do, when you go to your work, you're working for him. And that that changes the very nature of what you're doing. It it shifts the way you're going about it. First of all, your work has a high value since we're working for the Lord. Um, who you're doing the work for makes a very big difference in the value of your work. It also gives us a different standard, a higher standard. I now work, since I'm following the Lord Jesus, I work to a higher standard because I now bear his name and the work I do reflects on him. And so I, I want to do my best, whether the boss has given me the encouragement or the kudos that I expect from him, I'm, I'm going to do my best. And then I can have the motivation I need. It's available. I don't, I don't look around me for it at my coworkers, no matter what their approach is to their work. Maybe they do the same kind of work I do. They may not be as wholehearted about it as I should be. But I'm motivated because I work for God. I work for the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm motivated to do right before him. Then we looked at the right kind of work last week, how it produces good, has good results, not illegal, immoral, doesn't have uh, wrong results. You're not hurting anyone, undercutting them by doing it. It pays enough to live on, and it allows me to keep my priorities straight. So we looked at work last week. Today we're going to look at the heart of your money management system. Jesus actually said this in Luke 6, 45, and he shows us the heart of it. It says, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. The heart here, Jesus is picturing it as a reservoir. It holds our thoughts and our emotions and our desires that become our words and deeds. So what we're holding in the reservoir of our heart flows out into our behavior. We're going to look more at this in a little bit. But since we're talking about financial freedom today, this means that our financial plans and our daily choices flow out of our heart. So if we're going to find freedom, then we need to keep our heart in check 
to live in line with the principles that God's laid out, or our heart leads us into bondage and slavery to some things like debt. The struggle for freedom goes on. You find out in Scripture that there are we're, we're encouraged to go with our heart in our society, but you find out in Scripture that there are three embedded problems in our hearts. The first one is folly. I want what I want. Um, it's the, the Hebrew word in Proverbs 22:15 for folly. It says folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. The role of parents is to, to discipline the child so that folly is driven out of them. Um, the Hebrew word is aveleth, I-V-V-E-L-E-T-H, aveleth, for folly. And it means basically, I want my way. And we, we all know this. We've, if, if you've hung around young ones, you know, you know this is true. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. And case is, folly is bound up in the rest of us as well. It, it never gets driven completely out. That's the first problem. The second problem is arrogance. I deserve it, uh, is the idea. I want what I want, and I deserve it. Ecclesiastes 9.3 gives the second two embedded heart problems. It says, The hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterward they join the dead. The word madness is this arrogance, halela. It's the same word. The root of it is the same word we use for praising God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise uh, Yahweh. Is, is that, that's what hallelujah is. But hallelah is we praise ourselves. It's an arrogance that I not only want my way, but I deserve my way. And then in this verse also in Ecclesiastes 9.3, it says that our hearts are full of evil. And... Um, the, the word is ra, R-A, and it, it means that we just, we end up doing harm because of what's in our hearts. We hurt the people around us by the things we say and do. We, we may not set, even sometimes we may not set out to harm them intentionally, but I want my way. I deserve it. So I may run over you to get my way. Or I may ignore your needs in order to focus on mine. And so we end up hurting people because this is in our heart. Um, we, this, this plays out in the way we spend our money all over the place. A while back when, when we were wrapping up seminary, uh, we were about to have our son Thad. And I decided that we needed a new car because he was going to be young in the summer in Fort Worth, Texas. It gets really hot and muggy, and it's no fun. So I decided that we needed a new car, and I I really wanted it. I convinced myself that we needed to buy a car from a brand-new manufacturer just coming into the United States, and I thought that this car was, you know, going to be the next Honda or Toyota, something you could really count on and be reliable. I had determined that this, this is all... This is all my heart telling me this. Um, but I'd read all the brochures. I mean, hey, they, they, they're making it look good, right? The brochures from the company. And my friend was telling me 
you know, see if you can get a good deal on a Honda, something you know you can, you know you can, uh, you know, count on over the years. And no, I, I was convinced. I wanted my way, and I was convinced that I was going to be on the cutting edge of purchasing this kind of vehicle. And then everybody was going to look and say, man, that Randy, he's a sharp guy. He, he, was, he was one of the first to know that this was going to be the, the wave of the future. And so I wanted it. I, I thought I deserved it. And my own arrogance was telling me, oh, you know, Randy, you got this down. This is going to be great, you know, because we, we owned a Honda. It's the first car we purchased after we got married, Cindy and I. That was a great car. Only thing, didn't have an air conditioner. And so I bought a $7,800. That's all it was. I'm old. <laughs> the first car I ever bought was $2,800, brand new. Uh, actually, my parents bought it. Let me, let me make a disclaimer. $2,895 with a $500 rebate. I'm old, okay? So um, anyway, this is my $7,800 air conditioner for the summers in Fort Worth. I didn't intend to harm my family, but in, in making this decision, we suffered for years. That car, I had, I had to do a complete overhaul at 57,000 miles and another complete overhaul at 62-something thousand miles. And um, God delivered us finally from that car. But this is, this is the way our heart works when we think about finances. We want it. No one is going to veer us off the course. We deserve it. In fact, we're smarter than everybody else who's telling us, don't do it. And then we pay. And if we do that over and over again with computers, cars, houses, stuff, whatever it is, we find ourselves buried over time in bondage to debt and in bondage to this stuff that is tearing up and wearing out. And it, it really is not good stuff. You know, we don't, we don't really want to hurt the people around us, but man, I want that. I deserve it. I'm smarter than you. I don't care what you're saying. So this is, this is why it's important to safeguard your system. The Lord's put some safeguards into place. And you find in Scripture, like Jesus said, Jesus said it's a reservoir. Our heart is a reservoir. If you store good things in it, good stuff comes out. If you store bad things, bad stuff comes out. Um, the heart is also, uh, Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Your heart is like the cockpit that determines the direction of your life, and it it determines the choices that you're going to make. And, you know, nowadays, we protect the co cockpit on flights. You know, they don't, they don't want you loitering near the cockpit anymore because intruders get into the cockpit and then they take the plane the wrong direction, the way it's not supposed to go. So we need to do the same thing with our own hearts to safeguard them, to protect them from intruders. Um, the message in the media is follow, follow your heart. And, and it will take you where you need to go. If I followed my heart, I would be buried in financial bondage. And my whole family would be there with me. It would be, it would be no fun. 
In fact, they'd have to put me in prison and throw away the key if I followed my heart. That's true about many, many areas in my life. That's the picture you get in Scripture. You've got to guard your heart. You've got to keep it in check. Because as you learn to put the boundaries in place and to live inside of God's boundaries, as you put the safeguards there, there is a lot of freedom to run and roam in the space between those boundaries. But boy, if I bust through those boundaries, I crash and burn. And I do that financially for a bunch of stuff that's not going to last anyway. It's really bad. It helps to guard your heart if you know some things. This, this is, Harold Bullock put this together. This has been very helpful for me. This, uh, diagram of where behavior comes from. It's going to be popping up on the screen. It's not in your outline, but there it is. Our our behavior comes from, basically it flows out of our heart. That's what we've been looking at. It's the wellspring of life. Jesus said the stuff we store in our heart tends to flow out of it, or it does flow out of it. And so in our heart, there are desires, both positive and negative desires. We're Our hearts are a mixed bag. My heart is a little bit more like the scruffy guy that was playing the brain. It was the same guy playing the hard brain, but in that video. But my heart's scruffy. I mean, it's, it's not quite that, that well dressed. But, um, I have desires. You and I both, all of us do. We have good and bad desires that are rolling around in our heart. Those desires are filtered through a couple of things. First of all, they're filtered through our perspective. And that's cause and effect. How we think life works. So if, if I think status is the path to real satisfaction in life, then I find out what people value and I live for that. And we do that all the time. You know, we, we want to be held in high esteem. We want people to think that we are cool. Because cool is one of the highest values in our world here. In America. And so we find out what other people think is cool and we live for that. That's that's how we think life works. Um, the other thing that our desires are filtered through are our values. And that's just basically what's important to me. And we rank those. We have uh, different rankings for the different things that are important to us. You know, I love my family. I love my work. I or I enjoy my work, I love money, I want money, I, I love God, um, I love my car. We rank those in, in different ways. And when we make decisions about what we're going to say and do, our behavior, we, we fall back on our rankings, our value rankings. And so our stated values aren't necessarily the ones that we live out. I may say I really love God and I want to get to know him, But when push comes to shove, if I'm wrapped up in my work and I'm distracted from spending personal time with God, that goes away because this is actually more important to me. So we live out our values. Those two things flow into our behavior. This is what makes up what we say and do. Now, these things factor into financial decisions. Here's a couple illustrations of how they do. If I think that the right clothes will make me look good and feel good about myself, then I'm going to buy them at all costs. And if I, if I think they're, they're more important than my, uh, if, if they're going to 
allow me to have the kind of relationships that I really want to have, at least have an opportunity to, then I'm going to do that. I, I might love God, but I need to feel God, feel good. And so I, I deserve to feel good. And I make the choices in line with that. If I think my savings account is my hedge against disaster, then what do I do? I get stingy and I begin to hoard. And it's never enough because I'm always a little shaky about what's going on, especially in today's economy. I watch the stock market every day and it goes down and I'm shaking. Life is no fun. The people depending on me are shriveling because I'm so stingy. They're not blossoming. A generous man refreshes others. But boy, if you're stingy, you're no fun, I guarantee you. And so all of this flows out of my perspective, how I think life works and my values, the things that are most important to me. And those tend to get ranked as I'm making the choices that I do. So we need to guard our heart. Here are some ways in Scripture that we do that. First one is renew our mind. We renew our mind every day. That's our perspective. We work on our perspective. I was a guy in the video, you know, telling, telling his heart the truth. We store the truth in our heart. And when we do that, we end up making choices that bring real freedom. Romans 12:2 says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. In other words, don't just look around at what's going on in the world and get in line with everybody else, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Daily time in the Word of God is what he uses to reshape our perspective and our thinking, and therefore your heart. What, what happens is you get into the Word, you find out what God says, then you live life, and you realize how true it is. And then you go back to the Word, and you get some more. And he begins little by little to reshape your mind. The habits and the patterns that are ingrained in me, the way they've changed over the years to the extent that they have is that time with God in his word as he begins to reshape the way I think and look at life. Oh, I thought life worked this way, but no, God, you're right. It works this way because as I go live my life in line with the my heart that has these embedded problems, I keep I keep running into struggles. My folly is ruining things. And so then I go back to the word and I see the truth. And wow, that that is right. And so over time, indirectly, sometimes I've been able to recognize, you know, wow, I got to stop doing that. And I just stop it and it goes away. But the ingrained stuff, over time, my heart begins to shift as God changes my perspective related to the word of God. Romans 13, 14 says, Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Sometimes we just got to get our minds off of that stuff we want. And we, we've got to think about the things that are really important. You know, we get dressed every day. This verse says we need to put on the Lord Jesus and his values every day in order to overcome the desires of the sinful nature. To gain real, real freedom... We need to renew our mind and live for, for the important. 
Those, that's our values in that, that diagram we saw. Luke 16, 15 says, He said to them, You're the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. When you come to the Lord Jesus, values are flipped. What's important to men is not important to God. He looks past the clothing, the cars, the stuff, the, even the re- religiosity. He looks past all that right to the heart of people. He doesn't really care how religious you are. That's not, that's not what's important to him. What's important to him is your heart. Do you, do you have, does he have your heart? And he's using all the pressures in our life, our financial pressures, our struggles in relationships. He's wanting to get to our heart and to shift our values, to show us what's really important. All the stuff with a high price tag in this life, it's going to burn. It's really insignificant. If you can afford it, it's really okay to have it. But don't wrap your heart around that. Don't make that the most, thing, most important thing that you're living for. Jesus said in Luke 12:15, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Really doesn't. The next safeguard then is to control your desires. Proverbs 11:6 says, the righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by their desires. Here are some things to watch out for. First one is advertisements. The way it flows with me and possibly the way it flows with you is we've got these things that we're interested in. You know, maybe you like computers, cars, whatever it is. Maybe you're thinking about buying a house or or whatever. Or maybe you have a house and you're just thinking about getting a bigger house. And what we tend to think is, I'm just going to see what kind of deals are out there. And so we're on Facebook and a link pops up, and we follow the link just to see what's going on. That looks, that's interesting. It's something that's been on our mind anyway. Or we've, we've purchased something on the Internet, and the, the ads keep coming into our inbox. And we start looking because that company sells what I'm interested in. So then we start looking and following the link to the, the website and searching through that. We're not really going to buy it, but we're just going to see what the deals are. We're just going to see what's out there. Um, we do the same with catalogs, with um, the Friday section, uh, the car auto section of the Friday paper. Not really. I'm just going to see what's out there. Or we look at the ads in the Sunday paper. It's a Sunday. Don't want to ruin your Sunday afternoon. But, you know, sometimes people used to really get, I don't really want it, but I'm just going to see if there's any good computer deals in the ads. I'm going to flip through there and see what's going on. We complete the process by saying, I just don't think I can pass this deal up. I can't afford not to buy this. I've got to get this. Ecclesiastes 6.9 says, Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. In other words, it's better what you can get your hands on. The stuff you own right now is better than just letting your appetite go because appetites, when you feed them, they grow. They don't get smaller. The second thing we've got to watch out for to safeguard, to control our desires, is excess. Proverbs 21.17 says, He who loves pleasure will become poor. And Proverbs 23.19-21 says something similar. It says, 
Listen, my son, and be wise, and keep your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons will become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Watch out when enough is never enough. Appetites grow when they're fed. Sleep is another thing we have to control that affects our financial situation. It says in Proverbs 6, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. So you get too much sleep and you want more. You need enough sleep, but too much sleep begins to impact your financial situation because you're not diligent to do the things that lay on your plate that you need to get done. Finally, a safeguard is to decide once and for all who's going to be your master. Choose your master. Who are you going to serve? Matthew 6:24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You just can't do it. When, when we decide to follow Christ, when we decide to make him boss, and give our lives to following him. He becomes our Lord. We've made the decision to give our entire life to him. And then what it takes is every day we surrender in the moment. Because when we give control to the Lord, when we decide to follow him with our life, he still leaves the everyday decisions up to us. And so what it, what it means is, that every day we offer ourselves to him as a sacrifice. When you come to know Christ, he gives you everything you need to set you free in, in the different areas of your life. And from the day you commit your life to Christ until the day you die, what's going to be happening is God wants to work with you to set you free from the bondage you've experienced. My, from what I've seen, sometimes you're just set free. But other times God leaves you in the struggle where you have to surrender every day in the moment so that you grow and develop. And so you, you begin to change. Your whole heart and mind begins to shift in the right direction. But you surrender your life to him and then surrender in the moment as you face the different choices. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. We worship him every day as we surrender in the moment to what we know he wants and his way. Now, here's some next steps to take on the road to financial freedom based on what we've been talking about. You, you could check one off if that's what you feel you want to do. If that's a step you want to take and drop it in the offering, let us know about it. It's on, there on your outline and on the connection card. The first step that you may want to take is I plan to learn more about the Bible's perspective on money. Many of us have done that in the seminar. We've got the small groups coming coming up. If, if you'd like to learn more, uh, you could participate in one of those. Uh, second step, I will ask God to help me change my values. We need help with this. Ask him to help you see what's important in each moment. Ask him to change your heart and your mind. And then another step is identify desires that are costing me and establish safeguards. Is there a place where you're overspending, you know you are? Is there something that 
a desire that's getting the best of you that you need to keep in check. Identify that and establish safeguards. And then finally, a step you could take is to memorize Proverbs 4.23. That verse is really true. Above all else, guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. This is where life comes from. It's our heart. If you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you have everything you need to find freedom in the different areas of life. He comes in, he moves in, and he lives inside of you in the person of his spirit, and he guides you toward freedom. You have to choose whether or not you're going to cooperate with him. If you choose to cooperate with him, you experience the freedom he offers, and it's a really good thing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we continue. Father, we thank you for the truth that we found in your word. And I pray that you'd help us today, God, to follow through, to take these next steps that you've laid on our heart. And that you would help us to find the freedom that you offer as we, as we live our lives.